Welcome to another episode of Nobody's Muses. It's Rachel and, and Crystal. Crystal. Hello. We are here again um, for this deep dive, hopefully not inane, commentary <laughs> on the Amazon Amazon Prime original series, Daisy Jones and the Six, based on the book by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, we are diving into each and every track of the show with some great detail. So we're glad that you are here with us. Remember, you can uh, see us on YouTube. You can listen to us anywhere you stream your favorite podcast. Don't forget, we are on Instagram at Nobody's Muses. And you can connect with us through Gmail at Nobody's Muses at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. Um, so yeah, so here we are ready to go again. Yes, and I want to give a shout out to a couple of our commenters. Well, I'm going to give to all the people who have commented so far. Um, once again, thanks, Caroline, for your great insights into the episodes. Really appreciate your feedback. Also, um, Chris Fish, um, thank you for commenting on um, YouTube. You've always got some nice things to comment. Um, Taxi Dancer had some really um, good comments about our episode six and her take on Billy. And I think we can talk about some of that a little bit later. And, or their take. I'm not going to gender the person who commented. And then also um, wanted to shout out Patty who emailed us and thank you for um, giving us the nice compliments and we appreciate anybody who's listening to us. It's been uh, really fun just to be able to interact with all of you. So let's get started. Um, this so is... We are, um, we are track eight. Mm-hmm. And it was Episode written is by called Looks Like We Made It. Which I think is a great reference back to some previous yep. uh, episodes and discussions of Barry Manilow. But I think it also connects with this episode as well. So yep. let's go. And it's written by um, Jahan Crowther and Liz Coe, who have um, written other episodes, and directed by Nazinga Stewart. I think that's how you say her name. And um, I will put in the comments and the notes. Um, there's a really good interview talk with her talking about Daisy Jones and the Six, um, and it's really fun, and she loved talking about it. So um, it's just a short little 20-minute thing, not like this probably episode is going to be. So you ready? <laughs> you ready to yeah. start us off here? I'm ready to start. So we kick off the episode, and we're seeing um, some really great, um, what we are going to assume is Camille home movie and I love the visual of it and what they make it look like um, but they're getting very excited because they're looking at the Aurora billboard um, and it it's I mean it's there up on probably the Hollywood strip um, big as all get out um, it's that picture of um, Daisy and Billy looking at each other Camille Camilla ended up shooting that picture right that was one of her shots that she yeah, that was the, took yeah, of them this, yeah, that was her when they shot. were arguing in the hills. Um, and at the bottom of that uh, billboard, it does say, coming to a city near you this winter. And then it cuts to 1997, day, uh, Karen, who says, except it wasn't. 1997, Graham says, there was not a trace of her anywhere. So remember last track, track seven, she was in Greece. Simone um, and, and Benny came over to see her. So at that point, nobody knew where she was. 
except for Simone and Benny and her new husband, Nikki. But yeah, in 1997, Graham says there was no trace of her anywhere. 1997, Karen says she didn't show up for rehearsals uh, or she didn't show up for mixing of the album, final mix of the album. Um, 1997, Warren says, you know, some of us couldn't help but wonder if she was gone for good. Um, 1997, Eddie said, and I think one of us was probably hoping that was true. So, which is a little bit different from the book because the book talks about, um, there's, there's actually some really good dialogue about the band coming back to the final mix of the album and it ended up sounding so very different than what they left it as, as the final mix. Cause Teddy and Billy came back through and did some edits and things like that. And you know, riffs were taken out and things were changed. And so there was a little more tension um, in the band dynamic in the book um, when they talked about the final mix. But yeah, so we, nobody knows where, nobody knows where um, Daisy is, but then all of a sudden we cut to, um, to scene with Billy coming into the studio. And what do you know? There's Daisy. Cracking jokes. Cracking jokes, hanging out with the band, the coat she was wearing. She looked amazing. And and she did. She had a, she had her her daisy look going on, which again, a little bit different cuz in the book, and I was just reading over this kind of portion of the book over the weekend, um in the book she had chopped her hair off, which I can't oh, yeah. even imagine. No. Daisy with like a short shag, which is what they described in the book. So but Daisy's sitting there cracking jokes with the band. Billy walks in and obviously is taken aback, was not expecting to see her there. And this this scene gets super, super tense. Real fast. Um, where, you know, they get ready to start rehearsing and immediately Daisy starts questioning decisions. You know, they had put together a playlist or a set list of how the run of the show was going to go. And she just starts questioning where, you know. And there's no regret me. There's no look at us now. And Billy, I think, understandably so, says if he wanted to weigh in, that happened weeks ago. And I think he has a point. If she wanted to have, and again, she probably didn't understand how it all would play out and work, this being new to her. But if she wanted to have an opinion on how the show was going to be laid out, then she should have been in town or she should have been reachable to people when they started rehearsing weeks earlier. Yep. Um, so, you know, they're kind of bickering back and forth. And Karen says, do you guys need a minute? Billy says, uh, Billy says no. And then Daisy immediately says, yes, actually we do. And spits her gum out on the set list and crumples it up. That was a little passive aggressive. I love that. I loved it. It was so funny. <laughs> so they go out into the parking lot and the fight ensues. And, and I think, Things that hadn't been said that needed to be said all came out at once. So she starts yelling at him about things in the article. Um, he starts yelling at her because she told um, Jonah, the Rolling Stone writer, about going into rehab. And so there's just things that probably needed to be said um, at the fi- as they finished the album that didn't get said, especially with the with the article coming out, um, there were things that probably needed to be said and they didn't get said. And so, and Daisy's response to like him being very upset that she kind of outed his rehab and mentioned his daughter, you know, Daisy was like, so what? And 
Billy responds to her and says, I told you that in confidence because I trusted you. <laughs> and it's just, Daisy goes off and is just like, don't, um, don't act like you didn't fucking do anything. Talent. And then she starts quoting, quoting the article, which we saw um, in last week's track. She is reading over the article. I thought I, I'm going to assume she was reading it for the first time, even though she had told Simone that she had read it. Um, now, she did see the paper version of it. But, you know, she starts quoting, quoting the article itself. Talent like Daisy's is wasted on somebody like Daisy. That's what you said. You made me look weak. You made me look like I needed you. And of course, he said some other horrible things about her as well. But again, he was trying to deflect. And Jonah said, give me something. You know, at that point, Jonah had said, give me something else. And then he just starts rattling off all the things about Daisy to get himself out of the spotlight and get his time in rehab, his missing his daughter's birth out of the limelight and out of the article. And then the line is, so bo so we both told the truth. That's you what know? Billy says. Um, yeah. that's, Billy, Billy says that to her after she says, you know, you, you made me look like I needed you. And Billy said, so we both told the truth. Yeah. Ouch. And I mean, I have, a, I have a lot to say about this. Let's go. Because first of all, I look. Billy did. I you know you and I agree, and our um, our one of our commenters disagrees on the take that we have about why what Billy did because she believes that um, he was more conflicted than manipulative, and when he kissed her, maybe it wasn't just straight up manipulation as to why he did it. So, and I'm like, you know what? I could be wrong there. It could be. Um, my thing with this is that whatever Billy did, um, that's not anything to do with the band. And also, like, the reason, instead of saying, like, you hurt me, when you rejected me, that hurt me. And then I felt manipulated so you could get that solo out of me. These are, this is how I felt about this. Instead of saying that, she worried and said it made me look weak. <coughs> And I just think that that's, come on, Daisy. You know, that that's not why you were upset. You were upset because you were hurt. Yeah. Because you, know? you were in love with him. Yes. He reject. not only did he reject you, but he rejected you and then just completely trashed you, outed you and all your weaknesses in this article to yes. save his own ass. To save but, his own ass. But I would say this, this moment started when... She, they have this great chemistry going. Jonah sees it. Billy realizes, I think, and Billy, and Billy basically, when he's like, there's nothing there. And whenever she hears it from Jonah, you know, then she lashes out. She started lashing out before Billy did. You know, I'm not saying what Billy did was right or really taken aside, but I would say she kind of threw the first volley by telling Jonah all that stuff. Yeah. And, and I mean, what did you think Billy was going to say? He is married. What's he going to tell the reporter if the reporter asks, hey, is anything going on? Yeah, man, I get it. My dick gets hard all the time. You know, like what? Like, you know, I mean, no, he's going to. So anyway, I feel like. As much as I love Daisy, I feel like, you know, 
she just lost the first be- grenade, so you cannot expect to do that and not have somebody come back. Yeah, and I mean, I would say he at least admitted, you hurt me, you, I trusted you, and you, you did this. And I didn't want my kids, the, 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 the famous article about my band to be all about me abandoning my kid. Mm-hmm. Which, like, yeah. do, do, was it nice to say those things about Daisy? No, it was shitty. But, like, hurt people hurt people, man. And so she, you know, I, it goes back to her being so, um, because in a lot of ways, I think because of the, she was mad at him for making her feel anything. Because basically, Daisy spent her whole life trying not to feel anything. Right. Well, because she was told that. Yeah. She wasn't worthy of having feelings. Right, exactly. So, I don't know. I just thought it was really sad and also just that her, um, and I don't know, it just reminded me also of some people I have in my life who who have basically said the same kind of thing, that rather than be vulnerable and tell someone how they really feel, they'll say stuff like, well, that will like, make me look weak. I mean, I've actually mm-hmm. had that conversation with a girlfriend once. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know, it really touched a nerve with me to hear her say that. Because it's like, you, no, you should say, you hurt me. Like, if they, you know, you did, this really hurt me. I felt rejected and I lashed out and I shouldn't have. Yeah. She knows that she shouldn't have. Sure. Yeah. So anyway. Again, you, like you, I think, I think you make, you know, you used a very good line. Hurt people hurt people yeah and we have two people that we know are are hurting very badly um and will continue to hurt each other as we go through this process so yeah so we're back and we've started working and i'll just again i go back to man her she just came in hot with both barrels she came in just i don't know like ready to fight and she started to fight that's for sure so billy come billy walks in and then she comes in kind of behind him and he's like um it's gonna be a long tour so you know feel free to sit this one out and she says there's no tour without me you dumb son of a bitch which just like fires that off and she goes and we're gonna play regret me and he, he gives in. And then she goes, and we're going to play Look at Us Now. And he loses it. And he said, no, God damn it, we're not playing that. And um, and then Billy, Billy's like, okay, could we just, could you count us the fuck in? He's so impatient. And so he yeah. asked Warren to count him in. And they're starting well, she to kept war. interrupting. Like, they, yeah. he was ready to start rehearsing. And she kept interrupting. We're going to do Regret Me. Mm-hmm. And then, he, yeah. yeah, he finally was like, fuck it. Yeah. And she gives in on the Look at Us Now. And then... And as Warren's going to count him in, you know, um, Nikki walks in and, you know, Daisy gives him a big hug and a kiss. And (laughs) Eddie's like, who the fuck is this guy? (laughs) And and then she's like, oh, well, this is my, you know, and and the whole band is shot, is sitting there going, what the hell is going on? And, um... And then the episode titles comes on. So she does, we don't hear her say, oh, this is my husband, but we, we know what's going to happen. And it's really interesting because we had the credits, you know, normal credits right at the beginning, no cold open. We have this very long sequence Mm -hmm. and then we go to the episode title coming on. So it's a very, a different 
you know, it's a different construction at the mm-hmm. beginning. And they're playing and they play, Ballroom I, Blitz, which is I great. I the use of Ballroom Blitz was really good there. Because it was, it's kind of a chaotic song. And then, you know, you could tell the band, the tr- band truly was shocked when they, you know, when she, when she brought Nikki in. And he showed up looking nothing like the rest of them. No. So. I would also say, how do you feel about this? That's some bullshit not playing Honeycomb. If I yeah, paid, that doesn't make any sense to me. If I had paid that money to go see them, and that they're not playing Honeycomb. Like, because, again, you're touring to support the album Aurora. And the first single off of that album was Look at Us Now. So you can't go on tour and not play that song. Was it? Okay, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm wrong. Like, we might take this out. Was that on Aurora? I thought that was on the other album. No, no, you're right. In the book, it is. In the book, in the book it is. Okay, okay, okay. Right, okay. but in, in the show, we only yes, get... Yes, like, they would be having, like, having Thriller and not having Thriller. And not having Thriller, And Michael yeah. going, no, but I don't feel right, like because in the book, it kind of, the sequence, because, again, we get a couple of albums from them, but yeah. in, in the sense of the, the, epi, the series, Aurora is their debut album as Daisy Jones and the Six, not the Dunn Brothers anymore, not the Six anymore, it's Daisy Jones and the Six. And that was the first big single. So how can you expect to go on tour and not open with this big single, this huge single that puts you on the map? I mean, I'm sorry. If whoever their manager is, if it's Teddy or whoever should have said straight up, no, that's, you're going to have to suck it up. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, and I also don't understand why would that, why would that be the one when every single song on that album is, you know, difficult, like, please, like, do you think that that should be easy for you to sing when you're basically, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't know that I, I think that's crazy, but, and I would have been, I would have been real hella pissed if I was one of a fan gone to see them and didn't hear that song. Right. So that's, yeah. That <laughs> so there's work. my tangent on that. <laughs> So we cut and now we're sitting in a conference room and we have Daisy and Billy sitting across the table from each other. And did we find out who they're talking to? Do we oh, they're, talking to they're talking to Rod. They're talking to Rod? We don't see oh, Rod that's right. at first. They're talking to Rod. Um, yeah, and you're right. They hadn't, we didn't really know that Rod was in the room first. But it's very funny because they're sitting there and it's like a... It's like a tit for tat kind of mm-hmm. ping pong of I want this, I want this, I want this. So Billy, you know, um, they're discussing kind of like how things are going to lay out for the tour. And Daisy's like, I need more room because I'm having all these multiple costume changes. So I need my own dressing room. And Billy's like, well, maybe you shouldn't change costumes so much. And then he's like, well, if she gets, you know, her own dressing room, then I need my own green room. And she was like, why do you need your own green room? He's got because I don't want to be around people that they're going to use every night. And so basically she's like, so, so you don't want to be around the band was kind of her response to that. So then, you know, he wants a private green room and then, then they go on and they're like, you know, uh, they finally figure out that we're talking to Rod and (laughs) his hair. Um, and he just kind of sees this back and forth between the two of them. Um, and this arguing, and he's just like, holy, I think he's kind of thinking, holy shit, what have I got myself into? Oh, yeah, definitely. 1997, Rod talks about how never, Billy, you know, never forgot what Rod did for them in the beginning. And so when he was offered the chance to uh, to um, 
manage the tour itself. He jumped at it. But again, I think he was kind of scared after he's sitting at this conference room with these people, you know, going back and forth. And they're being super petty. Um, and Daisy, you know, Daisy's digging right in there. And I think they're both being incredibly immature. You know, I want my, Daisy's like, I want my own suite because I'm married. So I need a suite for overnights. And Billy's like, well, I'm married too. And, you know, he's like, well, your wife's not going to go on the tour with you. Um, you know, so then he's like, not the whole time. So I need to get a suite too. And <laughs> Daisy comes back and she's on a separate floor. And he's like, even better. So it's this whole, you know, just this back and forth and just sh- shitty commentary back and forth to each other. And Joe and Ron just kind of throws out there jokingly, oh, so do you want separate buses? <laughs> and they ask, they ask if it's possible. You know, it, I mean, it's just like everything. They want to do everything they can not to have to engage with each other anytime but on stage. And so, you know, again, 1997, Rod says, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, and he's like, you know, it, they flip back and they're like, Rod tells them that, you know, there's no way that the label is going to sign off on any of this stuff. And he makes some comment about this is the kind of stuff you ask for when you're Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Um, even with the, you know, so, but he's just like, totally blown away that they're asking for all this stuff and he's like you know the label label's not gonna you know this is your debut album you haven't proven yourself the label's not gonna sign off any of it and then they flip to 1997 rod and he's like they said yes to everything <laughs> well, and it's just like shit i mean i do think i mean a lot of bands have each each member has their own bus you know I wonder though, but I mean, think about like your debut album. No, first off, the fact that you're headlining your own tour. Well, yeah, I mean, and where they're like the the first night where they play, we can talk about later. It's like a, it's a medium sized venue. Yeah, you know, it's not ask for all these things like to put the what eventually ended up being probably a very crazy looking writer of you know suites on separate floors. Mm-hmm. My own dressing room, you know, separate green rooms and just all these things. But they were doing everything they could not to spend any time with each other except to be probably at soundcheck and on stage together. But other than that, they didn't want anything to do with each other. Well, and it was also just about who's more important. This is also about what, you know, because Billy especially, I mean, like the dynamic had already turned back to the old dynamic when they were doing rehearsals. You know, he was the one who in charge. He's charged. the one who decided the set list and the rest of them cowered at his feet. And, you know, it wasn't until Daisy came in again, it upended the power struggle structure. So, I mean, this is all so much about that too. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Just... I was like, "Oh, this is how we're going to start things. Yeah. This is going to this is going to work out really, really well." I'm sure that that was Rod's thought. Is like, "This is how yeah. it's going to start." What the hell but have I gotten myself into? What would you? Is there anything that you definitely would want on, on a, as a writer on a tour? You know, like what's the, um, you know, like, you know, she writer on Jennifer tour. Jennifer Lopez J Lo had like everything has to be white in her dressing room like there's like a lot of weird like all, a lot of them have weird writers you yeah. know you know I'm trying to think like what would be my writer mm, probably um good ice like the pebble ice oh okay see that's see I knew you'd come up with something I probably ha- I'd probably say for sure I need to have pebble rice and maybe a massage therapist. 
Yeah. I'm thinking I would you? want, well, I mean, I would want Fountain, Dr. Pepper. Like, and that would be like the, the night of the show. I would get to have one Fountain, Dr. Pepper. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, I don't know what else, but definitely that with maybe probably, and I'll, yeah, Pebble Ice and maybe like um, a soda, like, so I could just have my own club soda so I wouldn't have to always buy canned, like, yeah. LaCroix. Or maybe I would have a Topo Chico rider. Like, there'd always be Topo Chico. You do like Topo Chico. I do like my Topo. Um, yeah, so I can't think of anything else that I, don't, that I would have to. I don't to... have to have a certain color or anything. No, that's not important. I always me. think of um, Spinal Tap when he's all confused by the sandwiches. Am I supposed to fold them? They're bigger than the cracker. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> what am I doing with this? The bread is smaller than the meat. I anyway. always love a good Spinal Tap breakfast. Yeah, so... <laughs> So then we cut to um, everyone outside getting on the buses. Uh, Camila, she gives um, big hug to goodbye to Karen. And as she's doing that, she sees Daisy in the bus. And there's this kind of a little bit of a I see you look between the two of them. Um, um, Warren gives her a big hug. I love Warren. Um, and she barely acknowledges Eddie. Like he walks by and she kind of, hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and um, and then he's um, she walks over to Billy and um, Graham's giving Julia big hugs and big uncle hugs and and he Billy gives Julia a kiss and um, kisses Camila goodbye and she tells him go be a rock star and so he gets on the bus and Camila I mean I think reasonably looks worried. Yeah, she does look worried. I mean, so what is she tour. worried about? Well, I think, first of all, she's worried about his sobriety because it's the first tour. Last time, we, we know how things went when he went on the road. Not mm-hmm. great. And also, I do think, I mean, he knows. I mean, he might say there's nothing going on between, um, that, you know, Daisy and him, but she but, knows. I mean, there's a connection, and Camilla would be stupid not to think yeah. there's a connection and their proximity to each other. I mean, and it's the bargain, it's the bargain that Camila made from the very beginning when she asked Daisy to be in the band. Because mm-hmm. I don't think that you can hear that music or hear the way Billy from the very first moment was like, oh, it's so awful to not know that there's something there. And Camila decided it was worth it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, she. you can tell she has this kind of, I don't know, look of forlorn, forlorn or dread or something in their face um, as they get ready to head out. I would also say, once again, she's off by herself. You know, and I would say, you know, it's really easy to be a rock star and have a family when you have a wife who can do all the things that you can't do. Right. Well, and you I mean, know. he does make some statement of uh, while they're standing out there about, you know, you could come with us. And she's like, oh, yeah, because going on tour with a three-year-old sounds like a ton of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Cooping up a three-year-old on tour bus and keeping an inconsistent schedule and crazy hours. Yeah, that sounds like a load of fun. I mean, <laughs> I do think, I mean, I think it's like, you know, it's not like you see very many um, pop stars, women pop stars or rock stars having kids in their 20s. It's not until after they've made it they usually have kids. Yeah. It's hard. So. It's too hard. 
All right, so they're getting ready. They're heading out on tour. The buses pull out, and here they go. 1997, Warren says, uh, night one was in Albuquerque. So they're going from L.A. to Albuquerque. Not a very far not a very far drive, but Rod was saying, you know, you want to start somewhere small so you can get the kinks out, you know, work through things. <clears throat> um, and then they're the kind of, checked. yeah, they're at sound check. And so, you know, they're all kind of just playing through some stuff and, um, and Daisy's like spinning around, just probably high spinning around and they're getting feedback and, and, you know, they're trying to, the sound tech is saying something to her about, you know, hey, can you try this? Because we're getting feedback. And, and and Billy's like, don't move around so much. And then maybe we won't get feedback. You know, like that was going to happen. I think they, they can mic her so that she doesn't get feedback. Um, and then he's something, and then there's something about, she stops a light, lighting tech and says, hey, can you light me if I'm moving around? He's like, sure, we could do anything you want. So, um, you know, that was just kind of her sticking her tongue out at Billy. Um, but 1997, Karen um, says, to be honest, we all thought that Albuquerque was going to be a disaster, but it was fantastic. And so you see them cut to the, you know, the show footage and they're doing the river. Um, and, you know, there's still this tension between the two. Again, we're you know, we're at each other's throats. We don't want to have anything to do with each other. And, but they do have these like brief moments of connection during the song. And Nikki's, bleh, Nikki's on tour. Nikki's standing off to the side. And he, I think he, this is his first time to really see Daisy perform. So um, I think he's seen something um, that he's impressed by. He just, you know, you see the look on his face. Like he's really kind of surprising, surprisingly, um, impressed by what she's doing there on stage. But again, you can still sense the tension. And again, it's the first night, so we're going to work out the kinks. But there's still that tension there. But then you have these fleeting moments of connection between the two of them. 1997, we flip forward, and she's interviewing, and, says, and Daisy says, we had to work together. We didn't have to like each other. And we didn't, you know, which is, you know, what we often say as adults. We don't have to like people that we work with. We just got to get the job done. But... Um, you know, she did, she did seem, I don't know, she seemed like she was trying to put on a, to me, she was trying to make it look like it was real and like, look like they were connected and, and was really into it and things like that. And Billy, again, Sam Claflin's face was just telling a very, very different story. Like he couldn't. He couldn't tell if she was being genuine, like she was finally kind of letting her guard down and and, and diving in headfirst to, to what this was all going to look like, or if, again, she was just kind of putting on this act for him. Um, and then they finish up and walk off stage, and Daisy immediately jumps into Nikki's arm. She's, you know, obviously hyped up on drugs or adrenaline or a combination thereof because they just finished a good they just finished a good show the first show and it was actually really good and you know she jumps into Nikki's arms and Billy's face just kind of falls because again I think he was questioning was she really connecting was she really diving in and gonna make this work for the for the show or was she putting on an act and he probably hoped that she was really diving in and gonna be ready to connect I don't know but what 
why should he she connect if she can put on an act like i i mean i understand his mixed feelings because we know that he has mixed feelings about her and when you maybe don't know how you feel about somebody and then you see them with somebody else that's going to make you feel kind of funky make you feel some kind of way as the Mm -hmm. young ones say but um yeah i don't know i kind of felt like it was genuine like when she was out there performing on stage and singing those songs with him i i felt like she really was into it Mm -hmm. yeah i think she was she was able to draw that line for herself Mm -hmm. like she had stage daisy and then she had off stage daisy whereas i don't i think again billy being conflicted about how he felt Mm -hmm. um because he's never really admitted i mean but daisy has admitted to herself that she got her heart broke by him yes and she thinks she's over it she thinks she's over it because now she has nikki so she thinks she's over it and so she can go out there on stage and she can perform and do her thing and draw the line and come off stage and be off stage daisy whereas billy again like you said he hasn't really acknowledged what he felt and so he has not been able to draw that line yet. So, so it's the end of the show. It's nighttime and we cut to um, Billy and he's calling Camilla from a payphone. It's this thing that we used to have where you would put in a quarter or a dime. I don't ever remember a dime. No, I, it was I always a quarter. I only remember a quarter. That was always a but quarter yeah. for us, I think. But yeah. Um, if you, and phones. then... And then you had to be careful because if you stuck your finger into the coin slot to get change out of it, you might be stuck with a contaminated needle. That was the. That I don't the remember 80s. that. I don't oh, remember yeah. That. You I might just... be stuck with a contaminated needle, so you need to be careful. But I also remember going to the airport and like going by the payphones at the airport to, when we would go pick up my grandfather from a business trip and digging, going through and seeing if there's going to be any change in the, the payphones. But yeah, payphones, kids. Oh, and the rotary dial. Oh, I know. I love that's such a satisfying feeling. Um, so, But sorry, I digress. He's calling her on the payphone and he wants to talk to Julia and she's like, oh, she's asleep, but you can listen to her sleeping. And I mean, I really feel like this is just him really needing some kind of... Um, anchor you know because he's out there by himself um because everybody else is partying on um daisy's bus and i mean they are coking it up they are living their best 70s life i mean i love karen and graham are just like like snorting diving in head first yeah and everybody's just partying and then you cut to billy's bus and there's just crickets and you can hear the foom 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 of the party next door you know mm-hmm. i was thinking of two doors down there <laughs> that song that song they're laughing and singing and having a party i think it might be barbara mandrell anyway um so and then 1997 billy um this time it was going to be different so Billy is, you know, sticking to his surprise, sobriety. And then we have this fun little montage. And, oh, gosh, I don't you remember hearing these on the radio? And it was mm-hmm. like, hi, this is Billy Dunn. And this is Daisy Jones. And you're listening to uh, Daisy Jones and the Six on KAKC Radio Tulsa. I can remember getting people to record those for me. Yes. Yes, I forgot. Yeah, yes. I can get, I remember getting people that, to record those for me, especially like local Texas bands, when we when I would go to the show, I'd always have them record one so that I could use it during my show. But yeah, that was that was fun. And they named off some very specific stations with call letters. And so, of course, Nerdy Me had to go and research if these were truly 
radio stations. Um, so the first one that they mentioned was KAKC out of Tulsa. So KAKC 90, uh, 970 AM. Again, for anybody young, you may not know, we have AM and FM terrestrial radio. <laughs> so AM radio, um, they were a really big station from the 50s to the mid-70s, all about um, the teen and young adult audience. Um, really dominated the local radio scene in Tulsa. Um, you know, they were all about the dance crazes of the 60s. They, you know, played kind of the counterculture music of the 60s as well. <clears throat> um, you know, they really kept up with kind of local news and things like that. But it was it was really like the station for young people in Tulsa at that time. Um, and then we went to K-Box which was based out of Dallas, they said. So K-Box um, did exist. It was actually over, for those of you in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, if you know Dallas, it was over on McCree, um, over by White Rock Lake and the infamous Flagpole Hill. That's where they were That's where they were located. And again, you know, played, um, played that, you know, kind of pop and rock geared toward that, you know, 15 to 25 year old demographic um so yeah so it was a legitimate station and the last one was kfjz am which ultimately became kegl fm here in dallas fort worth which was the eagle for very very long um time but it was a legitimate a legitimate radio station playing again you know the pop and the pop and rock and roll and going back and they went back, I think even into the thirties. Um, but yeah, they were legitimate radio stations. So, and you know, that's a time, uh, a forgotten time, you know, of, I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but do you, do you listen to much terrestrial radio anymore? Mm, I listen to the NPR station here yeah. and, yeah. oh, actually I listen to our, um, our public radio, um, music KXT yeah. Um, I just thought it was funny, the rock of Fort Worth, because usually here, we are from Dallas, Fort Worth, and usually all of the, and I just was so thrilled that we got, you know, our towns, and they, I think they also name dropped Houston. Tarrant um, County got a shout out. That but nice. I love the fact that, um, that, because I was like, no one ever says Fort Worth. <laughs> but they should. <laughs> um <laughs> But I thought that was know, really no. We although we both grew up in the Fort Worth area. I'm Crystal's now in the girl. Dallas area, and I'm still in the Fort Worth area. But but yeah, this, so they're going through these quick, um, recording these quick liners for the radio stations. Probably following an interview they were on, talking about you know they were doing a show in town that night, and they were there at the radio station in the afternoon, talking it up, getting people to come out, and they finished it up, and there's just like. A, you know daisy's just like a giant eye roll because again they were sounding real perky and excited and everything when they recorded and then they the you know they cut and daisy just rolls her eyes and gets up and walks off and there's billy left to kind of try to be the professional of the situation thank the djs and things like that um you know as they finish up these these conversations with the because even, I mean, like I said, it was probably most likely they recorded an interview or they recorded a segment um, during probably the afternoon drive shows. And, you know, Billy, she gets up and storms off without even saying thanks to anybody. And Billy's sit there, left there to, you know, say thank you. And she kind of seems diva-esque there to me. But yeah. 
But again, I think that's just that that energy and that anger that she has towards Billy because she. Yeah, I don't really think it's to, her being a diva. I think it's just like I don't. I, I only want, want to pretend to spend, as long as I have to. Yeah, she does not want to spend any more time than she absolutely has to with with Billy. So we cut to the tour bus arriving, and they're getting out, and there's just fans everywhere. And you know, Daisy looks a little shocked. And Nikki says something about tributes to the Temple of Daisy Jones. And they're playing, they're playing Boston more than a feeling, which were released in 76. I love that song. It's a great song. Also, it's so, um, I feel like Boston is kind of a perfect example of that kind of, uh, I mean, two things. First of all, it's interesting that all the stations that they are naming are AM stations, because this is actually when the rise of FM happens and album rock so like boston is your perfect example of album rock and they were also kind of this faceless band like when you think of boston i just think of the covers of their albums you know and they were also a band that kind of was short-lived because they ended up getting in a big um, legal battle with their record company so they were kind of a it's kind of a very appropriate kind of um, background for what's happening to daisy jones on the six right now Mm mm-hmm so we cut to 1997, Rod, and he said, he said, by Christmas, they had the number three song in the country, the number nine song, and the number nine song in the country. They booked them on Bandstand, Midnight Special. There were rumors about SNL. All of their shows were selling out. New dates were being added. And I think that that reference back to, you know, shows like Bandstand and Midnight Special, um, that was kind of cool because... Yeah. I mean, those were shows that were definitely um, at that were definitely popular at that time. We did not have MTV at that point in time. Um, you know, bands were not making music videos, but you always, you know, would love an opportunity to see your band perform because maybe you lived in some small podunk town um, that wasn't near any place that was going to have concerts that you could get to, and so to be able to tune on bandstand or the Midnight Special, um, and SNL. I mean, how many, you know, I can remember as probably too young of a kid staying up way past my bedtime on Saturday nights to watch SNL. I can remember that was the first time I ever saw David Bowie was on SNL. Okay. And I thought that was the, I just was like, this is the weirdest thing ever. Um, um, But yeah, so many like, great music came on SNL in the 70s. Um, so, well, yeah. and also we didn't have, there was no more Ed Sullivan. So right. like it was, it was basically you had, you had SNL. I mean, Midnight Special, like one of my first memories is I remember seeing Linda Ronstadt um, mm-hmm. on Midnight Special and thinking, you would think that they would dress nicer because they're on TV because they were, of course, dressed like hippies. And I was six <laughs> and I was thinking you should wear your Sunday best. Um, they're just wearing jeans. Um, but, um, yeah, there, there's also, it was just a lot harder. And then Midnight Special was actually, like, more legit because Bandstand, you know, they just lip-synced. Right. You know. Right. So. And Bandstand had been so, so around so long and had been, you know, kind of its start was all about pop music and rock and roll really wasn't a part. I mean, they may have called it rock and roll when yeah. you're talking about, you know, music from the 50s. But when you get into kind of some of the popier stuff it kind of went away from and rock and roll kind of developed in its own way. But, um, but yeah, it was kind of cool that they had these little shout outs to those legitimate shows. So we see again, a kind of a montage of them getting off of the bus crowds going crazy. 
um, you know, to me, I mean, Daisy looks kind of shocked. She looks a little bit overwhelmed by it. Um, but yeah, there's people, you know, getting things signed. Warren signed somebody's boobs. Um, 1997, Rod cuts back and says, you know, it was every band's dream come true. So Billy's the last one off of the bus. You know, everybody else has kind of walked through and here comes Billy and Billy walks past this, past this guy. And, you know, somebody, some guy tries to like hand, um, Billy like a dime bag of weed and Rod immediately stops down and takes it from him. Um, makes kind of a production about that. And you can see Billy's kind of shocked that Rod intervened. It seemed to me like Billy seemed shocked that Rod intervened. Um, but you know, he just, he stepped in and took it and then they cut to get to back to 1997 Rod and he doesn't really say anything. He just kind of looks into the camera. Um, but yeah, so I think I mean, they, they, they kind of get their first, they kind of get their first taste of up close audit or we see, cause it's probably not, they probably have the same experience in other towns, but we see their first kind of, again, they've gotten music is climbing up the charts. More singles are being released off of Aurora and they're starting to see kind of the chaos and the excitement around the band. Um, and we got a glimpse into to what that may have looked like for them at their different stops. So they do a good job with, I love, they, they, they do this several times through the whole show where they just show one of the people in 1997 and they don't say anything. Right. We just see their face. We see, we see, uh, definitely we see a couple with Daisy you know, like the first time she meets Billy, a um, couple of other times, um, mm-hmm. we see this. I, I just love that device. They do such a good job with it because it's just, you know, um, it just says a lot without saying anything. Without saying anything. Yeah. Because they were thinking, I mean, to me, like Rod's look was very, I don't know, kind of nostalgic. Oh, yeah. Like remembering back to what it was like. So then we cut to, um, we're back in L.A., we're outside the um, record label, and it's um, Teddy and his um, boss, Don. And they're standing out in front of this really awesome Ferrari. And, you know, Don's like, well, what do you think of this? And Billy's like, I mean, Teddy's like, oh, it's cool. And basically, um, Don's like, um, it's a gift. Um, you know, this is this is a gift to you for, you know, everything you've done with Daisy Jones and the Six. This is, you know, going to be, this is like a... This is uh, changing the label. This is making so much money. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and, and I know that, you know, we want to keep you on. So what do we need to do? And and he says, well, it's going to be more than a Ferrari 308. But you already knew that. So it's just a nice little scene. Um, and then just that, just that little scene. And that's the only time we see Teddy this whole mm-hmm. episode. But it's acknowledgement because, you know, we, we can think back to prior episodes where it was like they wanted him to do another album with Dean, Dean Martin, Martin for Christmas. And he was like, fucking Dean Martin, you know. So it was it was um, kind of a reckoning for Teddy that, you know, he, he knows what he's doing and he's um, he's doing he's doing his job. So but yeah, that was our only glimpse, our only glimpse at Teddy for this episode. So. Um, we cut to a concert scene, so, and they're playing Kill You to, uh, Kill You to Try, um, and so, um, 
something about Karen's look in the show I, I made a note of and I really, really liked. I don't know what it was, but like she just, she was, her costume was really good for this show. So, um, you know, we get, we get great shots of Graham and again, every time he plays a guitar solo and we see him, I just fall more in love with Graham. <laughs> I'm just a Graham girl. Um, but, you know, they're just, you're getting really nice shots of the band playing, Nikki standing back off stage, um, you know, grinning and happy and, you know, Daisy's dancing on stage. It's just, you know, it's, it's shot really well. Um, the scene itself is shot really well, um, but we get a good look at all the band. And then again, they're just kind of firing, um, firing away and playing really well together. Um, and then we cut to everybody partying on the bus again. Um, and Warren and Eddie are kind of grilling Nikki about his life and asking him questions and, you know, do you have a title and what do you do? And um, they just are like, just really kind of like going in on him because they just doesn't, he, he just seems like a pretty boy to them. I think it just kind of a, you know, a wanderer and not really anybody of, they're just very entitled and bougie, you know, and they're just not super impressed. And then he says, well, you know, they're asking, well, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a student of life. And I was like, yeah, people can say that when they have a trust fund behind them. I'm a student of life. Um, but yeah, they're just like razzing him. And I think Warren throws out the line, do you have a degree? And they're all kind of laughing at him. Um, and then we cut over to, you know, Billy's bus. It's nice and quiet and he's watching TV, um, not really doing anything. So also you know, just want to point out like the idea of watching TV on a bus or in a car in the seventies is not that romantic because all the way you can watch anything is through an antenna. Yeah. So most of the time you're on the road, so you're not going to have any reception and then you don't know what channel, what channel the Rockford files is in Phoenix. So you got to go through every single one and then, you know, each channel and see if you can find it. And then also like go through the UHF, which was, wasn't even, you know, it was like, it wasn't like there was stops. You had to kind of just mess Dial. with it. I mean, I like in theory, a TV in a car sounded so fancy in the 70s, and it was a basically piece of shit. Well, yeah, because, I mean, if you – I can remember as a kid traveling with my grandparents who had an RV, mm-hmm. and I don't – I think they had like a little black and white TV in there, and it was probably so that my grandfather could watch like a auto race on Sunday or something, but – you know, it was rabbit ears. Yes, rabbit you ears see are not going to work inside of a, inside of a metal no, box. No, it's terrible. It doesn't work. Then we cut to Rod saying he's he's pontificating as Rod likes to do. <laughs> he sounds so douchey. And he's like, "You can't pick your favorite music, man. I like it all, oh. man. I love it so much. You know, I love it so much. I even put up with the fucking musicians, man." Bluegrass, country, rock and roll, Afro punk. Uh, I'm like, shut up, dude. You're so like a d bag. So then, 1997, I had to write this whole quote down because also it's I. There was a lot of lines like this in the book that I loved about from Rod. So Mm -hmm. he says, "Let me tell you what it's like to manage a rock band. We're driving over all hell and creation, city to city. I love over hell and creation. That's such a great line. Um, City to city." 
roadies and crew, the whole nine, and not one person, not one, ever asked how we're always stocked up on gas or beer or the special tea Daisy likes that you can only get shipped in from Thailand. No one says thank you. No one noticed a goddamn thing until something goes wrong. I just love that. <laughs> I love him. Just like he's all the logistics. Yes. And then. And then we cut to something has gone wrong. Yeah, we cut to there's something. He needs a new crankshaft for one of the buses. And he's like, well, you know, what can I do to get it for you? And he, you know, is like, hey, do you like rock and roll? And the guy's like, no, not really. And he's like, what about your kids? And so the tickets come out and somehow um, somehow that he makes gets, it all happen. gets it happen. So and then we cut to Daisy uh, singing um, two against three with Eddie on the guitar. So it's one of those those breaks where the rest of the band can go tell, towel off as they do at concerts. And but on the side, um, Billy is watching and he is watching this very intently. And um, Rod notices it. And he says, it's one thing dealing with station attendants, because he's talking about the guy who he got the crankshaft from. Mm-hmm. But Daisy and Billy, that was a whole other kettle of fish. Um, I just don't really understand. I don't know what Billy's conflict really is. I think we figure it out at the end, because there's this whole, one of the yeah. very last scenes they talk about, there's a yeah. back and forth. And I think we'll, we figure it out at the end. So we cut to some more footage, and they are playing um, The River, which I know is one of your faves, if not your favorite. Um, and we start seeing kind of a montage of the of the different venues that they're playing at, and they seem to be getting bigger and bigger. You know, as Rod said earlier, they were going up the charts, they were adding dates, venues were getting bigger. But we do see that, you know, they start getting, you know, more larger and larger crowds, and Daisy has this whole you know, turn around and fall into the crowd moment where she's carried around. Um, so it's some really, really good um, concert footage that they shot. I think they did a really great job just visually um, connecting and, and telling the story at this point, just kind of letting you know what it was like to be immersed in the show or be immersed in on the stage and things like that. And then we get a really good shot of, you know, it just all it looks like they're having fun it looks like things are going well and again we know that that's somewhat of an act but we're doing we're acting well on stage at this point we've it seems like we've all figured out how to act well on stage and they get a really nice shot of Karen and Daisy together um and like I said we're starting to realize how to act on stage um so we start getting these very intense looks between um, Daisy and Billy on the stage that again are we acting are we putting on a show for the audience are we succumbing to the fact that we've got to play nice on stage um, or is this still this connection because again these looks um, this intensity between Billy and Davis or Daisy does not go unnoticed because Nikki you see Nikki finally catch on and finally see what's going on and his, you know, he kind of stops smiling like he normally does backstage when he's watching her perform. But he is just, yeah, he's just, um, there's a connection there. And, and it's, it's really hard to tell if it's for stage or for it's, or if it's for real. I think it's for real. I think it's for real. I don't yeah. think you, you can, um, 
I don't think you can perform, let's say they perform their whole album and they perform, they obviously are performing some Dunn Brothers stuff and some of her stuff. So they're performing for at least an hour, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. You can't fake that for that long. No, no. But we get a shout out to Thank You Houston. Yes, <laughs> Texas. Thank you, Houston. Um, and then we cut to Nikki and Daisy in their hotel room together. And, oh, he's, oh. This this was this was a hard scene to watch. This was a really hard scene to watch. So they're they're laying in bed and they're talking, and Nikki says again after noticing this connection. And and recognizing something, he says to her, "When he's in the room, you're not yourself. Have you ever noticed that?" And Daisy replies and says, "I'm always myself." And Nikki comes back and says, "But you care what he thinks, and that makes you a little less you." That was not very nice. Well, and the thing about it is, Nikki, she cares what you think, too. At this point, she does. So then we cut to, um, they're at a press conference, and, you know, the reporter's asking Kate Daisy, they're yelling questions about, oh, tell us about your coat, and tell us about your boots. And, you know, she goes, why don't you ask Billy about his dumb shirt? You know, and and then um, a reporter asks, um, who is more fun to miss about Billy? And he's like, oh, they're just songs. And Daisy says, no song is ever just a song. And then Eddie, <laughs> being Eddie, is anybody going to ask us any questions? No, Eddie, they're not. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you I, as I, the bass player, they're sorry, not going no one, to ask you any questions. The only bass player that people have ever given a shit about is Sting. Okay? Let's just, no, that's a sweeping generalization. Paul, okay? Sting yeah. and Paul. But you're um, right. It's not. Yeah, you're the bass player, my guy. Usually, sorry. I'm sorry. You're like no one cares what Adam Clayton has to say. Well, no one. Me. They really don't, though. Okay, you know John and Whistle. No one cares. Okay. Um. So, um, those are sweeping generalizations. Don't go. Don't get mad at me. Um. So Eddie's Eddie does his little thing, and reporters um straight goes, "What's going on with you two? And do you think Daisy is still a head case? Oof, that's got to hurt. And um, and the things start getting tense, and, you know, Billy's like, oh, they're kind of stammering. And then a reporter says, why don't you play Look at Us Now? And Billy starts going into this long, convoluted explanation about, well, we when we wrote that song, we were in a certain place, but we're not there anymore. And Daisy says, that's not the reason. And then Rod's like, look at the time. We need to stop this. Let's just move on here. And so um, so the press conference in, and they leave. And you see the rest of the band, like... Get left you know, behind. Like, and also just like, oh, my God. It's always their drama. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it like... The, the, that, you know, when you're in that kind of situation, it's abusive in a way. Because it's these two people who are just sucking the life out of everything. And this is actually a really good thing. What's happening for them is really, really good. And because Billy and Daisy are whatever they are, n- no one can enjoy it. Right. And the band has to be the collateral. The band receives the collateral damage yes. of all. Yes. They're there playing their hearts out every night, mm-hmm. putting on a great show, and getting it done for the fans. And they're just like having to feel the collateral damage of the whirlwind that is Daisy and Billy's relationship. 
And so they store, they're obviously at some kind of hotel for this press conference and they storm out and they're walking down this really long hallway. It's kind of cool. And Daisy's mm-hmm. got this really cool coat on and they're, yes. you know, kind of angrily walking. Um, and Billy asks Daisy, um, they, uh, when she's going to grow up, you know, when are you going to grow up? And Daisy, Daisy turns around and is like, when are you going to stop being a fucking liar? Your whole life is a fucking lie. I fucking know you and you know I do. And that's what fucking scares you, huh? So she's just like in his face and there's like fingers getting jabbed at each other. And because she's calling him out on his bullshit. Um, and Billy says, oh, you think I'm full of shit? Well, what about you? What about you and Nikki? You want me to believe that that's real, that you're happy, that you're in love. And Daisy comes back and says, I am happy. I am in love. And this, like, Billy gets, like, right in. I mean, like, that whole, Mm -hmm. like, noses touching kind of thing Mm -hmm. where, I mean, just the slightest movement. And he'd be, like, on her. Mm -hmm. But he gets so close in her face. and And he says, I know you too, Daisy. I know what it looks like when you're in love with somebody. And he's right there in her face. I'm just like, fuck it. She could have totally kneed him in the dick. Yeah. Um, but that was a pretty intense scene. Yeah. And she and she pushes him away. Like, she violently and kind of smacks him. Yeah. Because he is just way too close. But that line, I know what it likes when you're in love. I know what it looks like when you're in love with somebody. Because Billy's seen it. Yeah. Because he's been on the receiving end of yeah, it. And I mean, he's not getting the, that anymore. Think of those shots of them in the recording studio when they're looking at each other. Mm-hmm. You know? golly oh that's uh, just how close he was mm. yeah and i mean i don't think i do think that he in that moment wasn't being manipulative like he knows like it's just straight up intense um yeah intensity well and he's you know he's seen um, i mean he sees her with nikki and he knows that it's probably not the greatest and best for her. I don't know. It's just, um, yeah, it was. Well, a, I mean, come a, on. Three weeks later, you, you know, we, he knows that whatever happened with them. And then three weeks later, she comes back and she's married or however long it's been, like a month. You yeah. know, she comes back and now she's married to some random dude who really doesn't have any doesn't do anything doesn't offer anything mm-hmm. i mean not that he's really interacted but i'm sure he's asked graham and i mean he's observed he's no dummy right so so then we cut to um they're performing and um this is um they're doing the river again and they are just giving each other the dirtiest ass looks i mean it is just some dirty looks and um to me, this is like if this is the moment that they pull um, Silver Springs, the, the the infamous performance from the '90s of Nick of Stevie Nicks and um, Lindsey Buckingham performing that song. Um, I mean, to me, like just the intensity of the looks and all of that is very strong here. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the lyrics to the river, um, you know, there's lines like. Um, you know, if I follow you to the river, send my blues out to sea, will you stay with me forever? Will you chase me in my dreams? If I throw it all in the river and let the rhythm take the lead, will it stay 
with you whenever that you lean on me and it's all about kind of will you are you going to stay with me and basically that um that that this is you're making a promise that you can't keep and I keep thinking about that moment at the when they drive down to the coast mm-hmm. and how he he chickens him you know he he legislates him out of the fact that he told her how he felt about her mm-hmm. like because he's like oh it's just about the music and we know that it wasn't and I feel like that that the lyrics to that song really um I mean, when she starts singing that, you know, you know, this is a promise you couldn't keep. I lost you, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm an echo, I'm a shadow, all of these things. It's, you know, it's so heartbreaking and, um, but so great. And like, even though that they're giving each other like looks of death, they're also like, it's, they're performing so well. Well, those looks of death, I think are, again, two hurt people that are, really singing from their depths of their soul about yeah. how they feel toward each other or how about they, how they're feeling right now. So we cut to Billy sitting on the st- steps of his, um, of his tour bus by himself. He's just sitting there and he's, th- he's throwing beer bottles and Graham comes walking around and he sa- he says something like, I'm not drinking them. I'm throwing them. And, um, you know, Graham trying to be the good brother says, Hey, do you want to talk about it? And Billy just kind of shakes his head. No. And he's like, you want to break some shit? You know, cause guys, if we can't talk about emotions then why not break some shit? Break <laughs> and so, so they start <laughs> chunking, you know, beer bottles away and breaking them instead of, you know, actually talking about their emotions. So, <laughs> So then we cut to the airport and Billy is picking up Camila and she looks amazing and they, she gets in the limo with him and then they, you know, they kiss and everything. And then we see them, you know, obviously they've just had sex in the hotel room and she's talking about her work, um, some photography work that she's doing for a band and things that she wants to do. And he's listening and it's really nice to see her as something more than just a mom that she's Mm -hmm. this person with this, her own life going on now. And so Camila wants to go to the party and, you know, Billy of course doesn't really want to. And that's like, and, um, and everyone's so happy to see her. And I love her relationship with Warren because they always speak Spanish to each other. That makes me happy. And then, um, Daisy says only you could get Billy to a cart, a party. And then, um, Billy looks really uncomfortable. Billy looks like he's standing in the center of the room the entire time with this forced looking smile on his oh, face. Oh yeah, he does not want to be there. Like, <laughs> no, he does not want to be he's there. He's putting on a smile, but he's not smiling. Oh hell no, he's not he's not smiling with his eyes. No. He's not, not smizing. Um so then Nikki offers him a drink and he hands him some champagne and Look, we know Nikki knows, and so, but Camila is Camila, and she definitely takes both, you know, both from him, you know, and they, and, and Billy kind of gives her a look like, I can handle myself, but, you know, and then, um, you know, everybody's just partying and doing coke and having fun, I guess, I mean, I don't know, and Drinking. then, um, and Billy looks pretty unhappy, and he's just kind of standing over to the side, and then Camila goes outside to get some air and outside um, she looks over and Eddie's already out there 
and you know um he's very he's like, like you want to talk about it you want to talk about what happened and she doesn't want to she says you know i was confused and hurt and i'm glad that it happened but it's never going to happen again and eddie is just crestfallen because i think he thought deep down well somehow you know i'm going to get this woman back mm-hmm. and um you know it's but i don't know what i mean she obviously had been ignoring him for who knows how long so but i do feel bad for him because she just i mean she did just use him kind of mm-hmm. i mean i don't know i don't know if it wasn't i mean i could see camilla even as it's happening going look this is just the one time thing you know right. i could see her being that kind of person yeah, so, but Eddie, yeah, you know, Eddie had known her for longer than Billy had. Yeah, no, he, I and mean, I he, he, he really... yes, he thought he had finally scored the woman of his dreams. Yep, he was hoping that it would, it would, you know, she would leave Billy and mm-hmm. they yeah, would he, be a thing. And yeah. how was that going to work out with the band, Eddie? You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. So we, um, so a, a note I should mm-hmm. say. So when she steps out on that that pat the balcony, mm-hmm. it's very New Orleans esque. I mean, you can tell that that's where they're supposed to be. And so I did a little research. They did film in New Orleans and in Baton Rouge, and they used a lot of um, exterior that was intended to be Pittsburgh and New York. They actually shot in New Orleans, and um, like some of the interior theaters and things like that were actually shot in New Orleans and Baton Rouge instead of places like Albuquerque and all the different um, stops that they made. So yeah, that was, that was kind of a cool little note that they did indeed shoot down in New Orleans. Okay. So we go back, everybody's inside Daisy and, you know, Nikki are kind of telling a story about something that happened while they were in Greece. And it's, you know, it's one of those, like, you're, you think the story is going to be so awesome, but it really isn't awesome for the people that weren't up there. And like, they're kind of talking in shorthand a little bit. So people are having a hard time keeping up. But um, he says something to her about looking. She was his twin soul. <clears throat> Garbage. Gross. Gross. You know, and then like, Bill, there's a look between Billy and Daisy and things are just like super awkward. Um, and then, and then it cuts from there, this party scene and like Nikki and, and Daisy are having sex. And I mean, could he, how could you not stop when she's literally laying there like a dead fish? Like, how did you not stop and say, Hey, is something wrong? Because she she was literally a dead fish and he was just on top of her doing his thing. But so, she was sitting there and like, she's just this, the look on her face. It's not, it's not about the dread of having sex with him. It's about, I don't, it was, she's it was not something, there. She's not, she's not there. She's, she's thinking of, she's thinking of Billy. Yeah. Or something. I mean, something, she's definitely not into it. She is de- she's definitely not into the moment of intimacy. No, sharing. Um, so okay, good. and then we move on. Yeah. Then we go to um, Camila saying goodbye, and he wants her to stay, and she's like, "No, it's a nice little scene." And he he just looks so sad, you know, like he just really needs her there. And then um, 
And then we cut to um, the, we're outside of Daisy's hotel room and Rod has brought food. And he's like, hey, you know, I noticed you haven't eaten and, um, you know, thought you might need something to eat. And he also um, has some mail and in that mail is um, a letter from her mom that she at first throws away and then she pulls back out. And, um, um, you know, and she's starting to look haggard. Yeah. And um, at that at the night performance um, over kind of backstage, um, she snorts. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of off to the side, yeah, but not the side. completely off stage. No. She's just snorting and, away. And Billy, and she sees Billy watching her, and she says, I see you still like to watch. That was kind of and, and she And then she, they start singing Regret Me, and she's not singing it well. She looks... She looks she, deranged yes, to me. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what she, I put, that's, that's my note. That's a great note. She looks <laughs> deranged. And she just, you know, she's missing the words, not singing it quite right. And 1997 Billy says, I was the only one who seemed to notice something had changed. And she actually even stops singing so she should go backstage and And do more drugs. And I don't know. To me, so do you think seeing Camila and Billy sent her down a bad trail like we see the sequence where she we see her having sex with nikki and she's just kind of out of body kind of not caring and then we see this quick decline in her um sobriety you know in her you know she's just really going at it hard or do you think it's just uh uh uh, this is how it always was and it's starting to catch up with her like or do you think that kind of seeing camilla and stuff set it off I think it's more of this is how it's always been and it's just starting to catch up with her after all these, you know, weeks on the road and not getting enough sleep and doing so much drugs and not eating well and, you know, just the exhaustion is catching up with her. I don't know that it has anything. I don't I don't know that it has anything to do with Billy and Camilla, per se, mm-hmm. or Camilla, per se, being there. Um, you know, I think it's just more of... It's just her decline is kind yeah. of reaching its, I don't want to say crescendo because that's the opposite of what, but she, she's, she's nearing her rock bottom. bottom. Yeah. She's nearing her rock bottom. Well, and I mean, when she sings on, I mean, have you ever been to see somebody perform and then be really messed up on stage? Have you ever? I've seen some really, really drunk I don't know that I've necessarily seen anybody super duper high. I probably have seen people well, super duper I mean, high. I remember one time um, the Stone Temple Pilots, and it was the drummer's birthday. Yeah. And he was so drunk and messed up. And it was just like, thanks. You know, I don't get yeah. to see them very often. Now, I've had, I can, I can vividly remember um, interviewing a band that came up um, <laughs> to Denton when I was working at the radio station. And for my show, and I can remember um, interviewing a band, and she and her guitar player were so fucking wasted. Um, It was one of the most painful interviews I've ever had to do because I could not keep them on track. They were so fucking high at the time. And, um, yeah, that was not a good interview. It was not one of my best interviews. (laughs) (laughs) It was really, really uncomfortable, and uh, I just wanted to get through it and get through their songs and get them out the door before 
someone yeah. of authority showed up and saw how completely wasted they were. So we catch the tour bus and there Graham is, I think like in his bunk or something. And this groupie comes up kind of sloshy and says, hi, Graham, I've been looking everywhere for you. And she kind of goes in to make a move and he kind of backs away and it ends up in kind of out in the midst of the crowd. And they're all laughing, like dying hysterically because they obviously put this girl up to it. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, they start razzing on him, you know, are you into dudes now? I mean, that's OK if you are into guys, you know, um, you know, and they're just start like making fun of him because he won't hook up with any girls. And finally, just like Karen, like interrupts and was like. He's not into dudes. And his penis is perfect. <laughs> and she tells everybody kind of like stops down and is looking around and like trying to figure out what's going on. And she's like, we've been screwing since the album session, and, you know, everywhere we could in closets and, in, you know, restrooms and on this bus and, um, Warren and Eddie are just kind of like speechless and they don't believe her. They start and laughing. They're like, sudden, real, that's real funny, Karen. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she just like steps up to him. And I mean, they like go at it with each other. Mm-hmm. And then here we have one of those, one of those scenes where nobody says anything, but they cut to 1997 Graham and he has the sweetest nostalgic smile on his face. Um, when he's thinking back to that moment, but, yep. um, so cute so so uh warren and karen are out to the band everybody knows that they are together Graham, Graham and karen. um that Graham and, and karen are together now so it's yeah. it was super sweet it was a super sweet scene and then uh, we cut to um the bus um daisy's the back of the bus where daisy is and she's overslept and she's she's just so out of it she's like i need to get ready for soundtrack for a sound check i'm so late and Nikki's like, she oh, look dirty. Oh, she looks gross. She looks like she's not bathed. Ugh. I bet there's just all kinds of ick in her hair. Yeah. And Nikki's like, oh, he's like, we'll do a little coke. And she's like, no, I don't want to be messed up right now. He's like, don't make me do it alone. I mean, her, her, her line was really, I thought, you know, very legitimate. Like, Ew, no, I don't want that right now. Yeah. And then, yeah. His line. So then, so then we're at a band dinner and, um, and Graham is telling Billy, like, hey, man, you know, and I'm going to stay on the bus with Karen, you know, and, you know, and, and Billy's like, whatever, I'm happy for you, because Billy's kind of always in his own world. Um, and he goes, um, and he sees Daisy walk in looking just tore up, and he says to Rod, um, you know, do something. And he's like, Rod's like, um, do what? And he's like, you know, t- tell her what, you know. And, and Billy says the truth, and he goes, <laughs> and he goes, oh, you're not kidding. And he goes, um, and I, I just love how, you know, whatever Tim Oliphant is, he's in a Western. Because he's all, I have a lot of responsibilities, but being honest ain't one of them. And, and being honest around here will get you nothing but fired. And so talk to the husband. I just love his, all of his, you know, whoever, his voice is just Western dude. Yeah. And so Billy walks over to Nikki and he's like, look, man, she's never taken this much before. And Nikki says, don't pretend like you care. You just want her to need you. That's all you care about. She doesn't need you, and it must kill you. She doesn't. And Billy's all like, um, 
you know, you think you're somebody because of your silk shirts and your fancy shoes. Well, you're shit. You're nothing, and you'd be no one without her. And Nikki says, I guess that makes two of us, doesn't it? Ooh, what a nice callback to something we heard earlier in this episode. And then Billy just cold cocks, punches Nikki. And Graham comes in to, to break it up, but Warren holds him off. And it's like, and, and 1997 Warren says, I've been waiting to punch that prick since Tulsa. <laughs> so Rod ends up, breaks breaks them up, and he's like, everybody, and he, the way he says so funny, everybody calm down. Everybody calm down. We still got a show to do. Because Nikki is, our Daisy comes in, and she is just like screaming and yelling, yes. what the fuck is going on? Yes, and... You know, um, I mean, what's interesting to me is, like, as much as I don't like Nikki, where's the lie? I mean, I do think Billy cares about her beyond being a person, but I don't think it's also a lie for it to be that Billy also doesn't like that she doesn't need him. Mm -hmm. Billy wants to be, Billy wants everybody to need him, and he wants to be in charge of everybody. Yes. So, and, but also... He, Nikki would not be shit without Daisy. What does he have? What does he do? What is anything interesting about Nikki? He's a student you know? of life. <laughs> I mean, he must, must have a magical penis. That's all I'm saying. Because I really feel like he's not offering much. Well, by the looks know? of that one scene, it wasn't that great. <laughs> exactly. And also, I just think he, the whole time, and you know, there are people who don't want you to sober up. Don't no. want you want you to stay messed up so that they can keep manipulating you mm-hmm. that they can either keep using with you or keep manipulating you or feel superior to you um <clears throat> or not have to, to look at their own issues like well right. if they're sobering up well i don't want you know i don't want to have to do that yep. so um i just thought it was such a good such a great scene it was. It was. Yeah. So we cut to Miami. They tell us Miami, June 15th of 1977. And again, we're hearing them play the river. Um, and this is that going. same night, right? So yeah. they've, they've had this fight and now they have to go on stage and perform. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So there was a fight. They're on stage. And 1997, Graham says something was definitely off. And 1997, Warren was said, well, he did punch her husband in the face, you know, so understandably she could have been off because of that. 1997, Karen said it was just a really bad energy and we just had to like get through this one show. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, Daisy is obviously very, very high, very, very messed up to the point where she like falls into the drum set and she's getting dizzy and they shot it. So you could see her kind of start spinning out and getting dizzy and things going blurry. And she falls into the drum set and Billy picks her up and carries her off. But he carries her to the opposite side of the stage from where Nikki is. So he carries her to the, uh, you know, helps her off. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's, she's like, what did I look what did I look at you wrong or something like that? And Billy's like, you're fucking bleeding. And you cut down and like, yeah, she's got this giant gash. Um, he said, you know, you're done. This is it. You're done for tonight. Go get a medic. And then you hear the crowd and she's like, do you hear them? You'll know when I'm done. But she is just so out of her mind oh, at yeah, this point. Yeah. And so she walks off from him. 
<clears throat> and Billy is standing off stage. Um, and she comes out there and she kind of raises her hands up and she shushes the crowd and gets them to quiet down. And then she starts into an acapella version of, um, of where, uh, look at us now. So she starts that one line and it's completely silent and she starts her line and it's just like, she sounds amazing and the crowd starts singing along with her. And the rest of the band is just kind of standing there and not really doing anything. <clears throat> and Eddie's, Eddie's looking kind of smug that Daisy's out there doing it without Billy, I thought. Um, oh, yeah. And also like, oh, Billy doesn't get his way again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, but I mean, I mean, she looked terrible. She looks she, awful. And But, you know, I, if I had been the rest of the band, I probably would have started playing the song. But I have problems with authority. <laughs> but so, uh, we, so it was just yeah i was just billy great. telling her that you're not going back out there on stage you're done and when she and says she's you like, hear that? she's so coked up and her like she's just lost she doesn't her feel the pain mind. no she's lost yeah she's not feeling the pain no and then i mean delusions of grandeur are such a big part of being when you're on coke man you know you just think you're the smartest thing in the world yeah until it wears off and then you feel like the worst thing in the world so you got to do more coke right so then we cut to daisy and nikki and they're in their suite and they are just coked up and crazy and they're dancing around i mean i'm glad to see that she took the time she does have a bandage on her leg um and she they're just jumping on the bed and they're just like doing more drugs and drinking and um and it's just um just crazy they're acting crazy and then we cut outside of there and we see her kind of um she's all doing drugs and stuff and we see her kind of lay down like she's like expended all her her energy and then we cut, and it's Billy talking to Rod out in the hall. And he's like, I'm going to kick her out of the band. It's mutiny. You can't just do that. And so he goes to knock on the door, and he's like, you know, um, Nikki kind of half opens the door, shady-like, and is like, um, and he says, I need to talk to Daisy. And Nikki is, um, he's like, oh, she's fine. Just go. And, well, <laughs> that's not really, you know, you're not, not being too smart there. And Billy's like, let me in. And so they force their way in, Billy and Rod do, and Billy, and he's, she's passed out in the shower. And, um, Nikki, and Nikki's like, instead of worrying about her, like, His Billy's wife. like over there and he's like calling her and slapping her and says, call a doctor. And, um, this is a great line. Rod's like, this is Rod Reyes. I have a toothache in room 1205. I have a toothache, which I loved that. And and then Nikki, while this is all happening, while his wife is passed out, could be dying, he is packing up his shit. And I, I can't be here. Yeah. Well, and like, I mean, just the, the look on Billy's face and his voice, because he's like, Rod, Rod, I, she's not breathing. Yeah. She's not breathing. And there's Rod just being all cool and collected and call this doctor and mm-hmm. tell him we have a toothache. And I mean, Billy is just like. And he's Billy, saying he's, Billy he's feels crying. Like he's, watching, he's watching her die in his arms. Yeah. And he is crying. And he's like, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me, don't die. And, and she looked like die. shit. I mean, and I mean, she really looked like job. she was going to die. She, she looked, looked, like she, was... she looked dead. I mean, they did I mean, a really good job. I mean, he was just job. like, what, you know, stay with me, stay with me. He's holding her. He's, 
you know, like you can tell, like this is not how he wants this relationship to end. He does not want this to be the end and how he wants this to go down. And it's just such a stark contrast between the person who's supposed to love her, her husband, just bailing. Yeah. You know, the person that supposedly loves her and claims to be the one for her. And 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 he is a chicken shit and decides to pack his stuff because he just can't be around for whatever the her dying or the press that's going to come out of this or whatever it is and um, but so, he can't be there and so she just looks terrible he he's he's crying he's literally he is actually crying um billy is in the shower with her and then she and um rod gets some alcohol or something for her to smell puts it on her face and then she wake kind of wakes up and she looks at him and she goes it's you and then cut to black and as i write in my wrote in my notes Holy fucking shit, what a way to win in an episode. <laughs> I mean, that whole scene is so well done. And, you know, we talk about Almost Famous a lot. But, like, you know, the scene where Penny Lane ODs. Mm-hmm. And it's very different because in that one, it's like this weird, they're playing My Sharia more. And she's getting, you know, she's her stomach pumped. Rubber tube down her throat and, and it's charcoal and all and that And he's stuff. just looking at her, her still with love. And in this one, it's much more chaotic, but it is still this kind of, um, it's just really powerful. I mean, he can be as mad as, as he wants at her, and he can claim that he loves Camilla, which he does. He loves Camilla as much as he does. But when you see this person, this other side of yourself, this reflection of you in your arms, and they're dying... You well, can't, and you can't stop the, you can't stop the authenticity of the emotions there. No, and There's I mean, no way. And I like, I don't think if it had been anybody, Billy wouldn't have, Billy would have cared, but also to know that they're, how bad their relationship had gotten and how bad things had gotten between them. I mean, it was at an all time low. He just punched her husband mm-hmm. and this happens. And to think that, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's just such a great show because it's this such a complicated love story. You know, and I mean, the next two episodes are just, oh my God, I don't know, you know. If I'm emotionally ready to talk about those, I'm telling um, you right now, I mean, I will oh. probably just be prepared. I will probably cry while we're talking about some of this stuff because oh. it's just, because one, I, I cry. What's but, it? Um, what, I'm just telling you, first of all, like, this is my 2023 theme, normalized crying. It's okay for people to cry, but I will definitely cry. Um <laughs> I did but, like, um, on a side note, I did like during this whole scene, it's the Bellamy Brothers, Let Your Love Yes. Love. Oh, yes. I love that song. I love I, the Bellamy First of all, like, it's so perfect, too, though, because it's just this la, 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 la. Yeah. I don't know. The Bellamy they Brothers. Some, are, they pick some really good songs in this episode in yes. particular. From the start. Yeah. Like, all of the, the secondary songs, the true, the real songs. Um, yes. Throughout this episode, they picked some really, really good songs for this episode. I mean, I um, feel like that's definitely a whole episode is a deep dive into all of the, the music different songs that they picked. Yeah. Well, I already but, told yeah. you, I think we should do a deep dive into every track name title. Yeah. And yeah. talk about those songs. I think we that would be a track great name one. title. I think we should track name title and also just like, you know, some of the music that we, we, we touched on it before. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that's it. That's it, y'all. There's only two more left, and I feel so sad because I just really have enjoyed doing this. So, um, but 
Yeah, yeah. We're, we're on track. We shouldn't miss any more weeks. And no, we should not. We should not miss any more weeks. So we will be good to go. But yeah, we remembered. These... I remembered to hit record on the video part. So, <laughs> but these next two episodes are um, really intense, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to diving into them. Um, I, 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 I'm scared that we're gonna have to like break them up each into two episodes because no, we're I... just gonna get too long winded. I think we can do it in two. I mean, but we'll we did try this to control one. Ourselves. We did this. We didn't even go two hours. We did two. You know, we're pretty good on this one. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thanks again for tuning in to Nobody's Muses. We appreciate you. Don't forget, um, you can follow us, like, and subscribe on YouTube. Leave us comments. Um, you can listen to us on any of your podcast platforms, and feel free to subscribe and follow. Share this with your friends. If I keep. I keep seeing these TikTok videos of people going through withdrawal on Daisy Jones and I keep tagging, I keep going in there and saying, well, you should, you should check out the podcast, yeah. Nobody's Muses. So, I mean, um, yeah, we're on Instagram at Nobody's Muses, Gmail, you can reach us at Nobody's Muses at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, share yes. your thoughts. Um, tell, us you about, any... tell us about you seeing drunk bands. Tell us about yeah. your experience. Tell us about your AM radio station that you grew up listening to. You know, just once again, shout out to Patty and Caroline and Chris Fish and um, Taxi Dancer. Thanks for commenting, and I hope we can keep talking. So yeah. um, Awesome. Have a great bye. week, everyone. We'll see you soon. Bye.